Do you know how much the mermaid carving went for? The broken mermaid carving? $110,000. How much did the mermussy go for is what I want to know. Well, after Willem Dafoe wore it priceless. I finally watched. everybody welcome to another episode of i finally watched this is david and today i finally watched the lighthouse and this is alan and i finally too watched the lighthouse also and the awesome theme song was brought to you by jesse jace thomas at jessejacethomas.bandcamp.com check him out i went into the lighthouse knowing fairly little about the tone that you you obviously know what the story is. It's two dudes in a lighthouse by themselves, but just like what it sort of is, you know that there's friction, I guess. I don't know what you knew, but um, besides that, like kind of base level, I didn't really know what to expect. Like I said, tonally or just like what the fuck this movie was. And I watched it the other night for the first time and was like, that's the weirdest movie I've ever seen. I don't even know if I enjoyed it. Um, and I watched it again, you know, for purposes of this. And I was like, okay. And I think that that's like my first takeaway. And I think this happens a lot where if if you don't know what to expect in a movie, if it just hits you in a weird way, you're going to be like that. I don't think that was good. And this movie's still probably like one of the weirdest movies I've seen tonally it it honestly doesn't really even fit into spooky season all that well there's just like a couple moments but um it was definitely good the second time there's obviously like you know robert eggers did the witch and he did the northman uh and then this and like those other two are, are pretty great um i really loved the witch and so it's like he knows what he's doing and he definitely made specific choices with this but just like just weird is like the first thought uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is definitely a a weird movie. You know, it's also one of his most abstract movies. I I haven't seen The Northman, but I know enough to be like, you know, it's it's a pretty pretty linear movie. So's The Witch, but this was almost like. Have you ever gone to a museum, like a modern museum, and um, as like an installation, there's like something, uh, sort of film playing on a TV and it's like just supposed to make you feel a certain way. It's not even like really about something. Have you ever seen one of those? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. What you're talking about. It felt like that. It felt like, it felt like you're just watching like a, like a modern art installation. Um, until uh, I'll probably say until there's maybe like 40 minutes left of the film, then it's driving to something. And then the last five minutes, you're back at just modern art again. Uh, I have to say one thing, you know, and maybe people could say we're maybe a little too critical on the films that we talk about, but this film is beautiful. This film, like the cinematography, 
is amazing. And Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson do an amazing job. It's, I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, I'm watching Green Goblin and Batman, you know, talking that, talking it out. Um, they, they do an amazing job and it's, it's a really beautifully shot film. It's just for, for everything. And I went into this knowing nothing and for everything that I built this up to be in my head, there was a lot of lulls actually kind of boring, um, for a time there. You know, uh, I wouldn't say boring to me. Maybe more the first time because you just—I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really know what I was looking for. Um, well, if I hear another foghorn ever again in my life, I'm—I <laughs> might go insane. Well, I think that was the point too. And um, one of the things I read about this is that, like the first few drafts of the script were a lot clearer as to what was happening here. And I think I didn't take the time to like read if there are any fan theories, but I just had my own that like I came away with potentially like that this is the same person, um, right? And so you know the fact that he said oh it was more like the the first script were more clear what's happening and I was like well maybe maybe that's what he's getting at, but I think you can see it just as it is two people and they're driving each other insane and they're like at different points in their life. One thing I'll say is like. Like, I think Willem Dafoe is probably the one that I think kind of carries the movie with, like, how effortless everything he does in this is and how he, like, just embodies the character. And I think it was a little harder for me to not see, like, oh, that's Robert Pattinson playing this other role. Um, I don't know why that was. I agree. I agree. I, I think a little bit of his acting in this was like you could see the the acting whereas Willem Dafoe came off as the character and I still think Robert Pattinson was great in this but there were a few times where I was like all right like he's really going for it and the movie is too though right like the whole thing is but I just I I don't want to be like I'm not shitting on Robert Pattinson I'm more saying like in a movie that where it's like these over-the-top kind of crazy characters Willem Dafoe's just like is that character like it's yeah. praising his yeah. his job. You know what's so weird is that you you hear Willem Dafoe talk a lot more than Robert Pattinson's character in this film. And 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 there's when Robert Pattinson does talk, there's a lot of them talking together uh, at the same time. And to at times I was trying to pinpoint what exact accent Robert Pattinson was doing. It almost sounded like a younger um, "There Will Be Blood" sort of type of uh, Daniel Day Lewis and, and "There Will Be Blood" type of feel. I think it's around the same time too, like early nineteen hundreds. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's like eighteen eighteen ninety ish. Yeah. Um, well, so I I read that Robert Pattinson's accent is like a very specific Maine farming dialect, and that Willem's Dafoe is an Atlantic fisherman, and that like Robert Edgar's apparently was like super precise, like in their line readings, like no no fucking say it like this, say this part quicker. Um, so like at least from that standpoint, given like how kind of exacting you would think he would be on this, you know, because. Eggers has like a very clear vision in all of his movies, like the way he wants them to be. 
it's like I it it leads me and it's funny because you normally think this about like more established directors that you just trust that they know what they're doing so you're like I just trust that that's correct and so for True. him in the you know I'm I've seen his other two movies before this um, it's just I trust that he that that accent makes sense and that like that he's doing it properly. Wasn't the Northman after this though? It was, but I saw it before. Oh, okay. Well, um, I mean, the the thing I I went in this knowing two things, like knowing nothing about plot wise of the movie, but I've seen clips, so I'm like trying to piece together what exactly is going on here. But two things I was certain about: one, apparently, Willem Dafoe for the entirety of shooting just put himself in that little workshop on the island itself the entire time he was shooting. Um, and isolated himself there from the rest of the crew. Uh, the other thing was the what, 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 what scene I read somewhere <laughs> where it's like when they got that, uh, script, you know, it's hard to be like, you know, you get a script and it's, you know, three pages long and there's only one line of dialogue. So they had to like try it and, or it, it, it was just very weird for them. And I don't know, hearing it, I was like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get what they're talking about. And then actually watching that scene play out, I was like, yeah, I mean, all you get when you get a script is a piece of paper with words on it. Right. So like to, to, to play with that, with what you will, you know, it's hugely demanding. Um, Especially when 90% of this movie is just kind of like, reacting within yourself to something happening not exactly when someone's talking to you right there's a lot of like alone time with robert pattinson where he's like you know walking on the rocks or like pushing the wheelbarrow or whatever and it's just like the fury or the confusion or the anger in his face just says a lot and keeps the story going because i can't think of a lot of like just two actors in this type of film that could keep me entertained and keep me hooked um, for an hour, 45 minutes. We got Tom Hanks in the volleyball. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, Tom Hanks is an incredible actor too, but, but I'm, I mean, even if you replace Willem Dafoe with Tom Hanks in this scenario, Willem Dafoe fits scarily perfect into like a character like this. So you're saying our Pats is the volleyball. Honestly, you could interchange the volleyball with. No, I'm kidding. No, Rob Pattinson was great in this too. Obviously, um, so I guess we can just talk about this movie plot by plot. Well, the, well or, one thing. One thing before we get into that, it's when the thing I you first noticed going into this is that the the uh, like the aspect ratio is basically a square. Yeah, it's a four. Yeah, it's a like an old TV sort of deal. And. I think that adds to like the craziness of the, of the movie. Um, I told you that this, like this reminded me of like Robert Edgar's attempt at like a Wes Anderson comedy, just in like when you have the square frame, it frames everything the way that the Wes Anderson does in his movies, even though, you know, he doesn't use a square. Um, well, with like with huge intention towards it, right? Like, like yeah. I, halfway through the movie, I was like, why is it like this? This is kind of weird. And then you get to these shots where it's like someone's walking through a door or you're looking at a building a certain way or someone's moving towards the camera in like a very symmetrical way. And it forces your perspective to see it this one way and no other way. 
And so I was like, it, it really is there to between that, the fact that it's black and white and the music like drives you as the audience nuts. Right. Well, no, yeah. And that's the point. It's supposed to make it kind of claustrophobic and it, it adds to the craziness, which is, you know, we said earlier about the, the way the script was done. And um, apparently when he came up with the idea for this movie and selling it, he said it has to be square like this. And that actually cost him part of the budget he was looking for to like to make this. So he did make it even cheaper because people are like, we don't want to make it that way. Um, well, I'm so, sure yeah. part of it, part of it has to do with, you know, okay. I don't know if you know this, but when you film something, you can always change the aspect ratio at any point when you in post, right? I mean, if you do it digitally, it's very easy to do. But from, from everything that we know of him, I wouldn't be surprised if he like, if like all that money was poured into film, like actual film filmed on a special camera that only shot in that aspect ratio. And like all that uh, equipment is very expensive. No, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, And, and from, uh, and also too, like, I think he got lucky with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson both wanted to work with him. Like they saw the witch and wanted to do something. He's like, Oh, well, great. You know, I got this. So I think maybe, you know, you get them a little bit. Yeah. I I think, I think the camera was probably like a big expense for this. And then they had to fucking build the lighthouse and build all the set. Like all that was built up. So, yeah, that's one thing I wanted to ask you. I know they shot this in Canada and, and like the Nova Scotia islands. I don't even know if that's right. I've never been to Canada, but um, they actually like, I, so it's like technically on location, but they built the building. There's not just like a abandoned lighthouse they took over. No, yeah, they built it, and then they also did some work, like in studios in a uh, like in a soundstage area near there as well. So, yeah, like it's all kind of internal. So, the first seven minutes of this, there's like no dialogue whatsoever. You know, they're on the ship. It's just like this view of them from behind, and like you said, the camera work and like the cinematography are really beautiful on this whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. But we get to the island, and the first thing you notice is Willem Dafoe just taking a shit in the bedroom, um, right. which leads to some hilarity later. And then, and the thing I really want to talk about is, so when I first watched this, um, Robert Pattinson sits on the bed, and he immediately looks at, like, pulls some stuff out of this hole, and then pulls this siren statue out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, he hid that from before and then you find out that he's never been here before right and then later on he says something to Willem Dafoe of like yeah I finally destroyed that that trinket that you left for me to try and drive me insane because he was blaming he was blaming uh the the, see that's that's something I don't understand um about this is that he was like oh your your last ward that was here you drove him insane too it was like blaming the trinket or whatever, but we saw them both come onto the island at the same time. So what are the, is he talking about like another time that Willem Dafoe's character was here? His yeah. last partner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, they go on the island for what nine, six to nine months at a time or well, in this case, I guess four weeks, but they were singing a song some other time about like, Oh, nine you know, they talk about this world these guys lived in, which was like a real thing where like you would go off and do this dangerous job for months at a time, make a shit ton of money and then come back and like live 
you know, for months at a time not working, and then you'd go do it again. And so I guess Willem, you know, Willem Dafoe, like, and them, they're talking about how, oh, we're going to be on this island for four weeks, and then we'll we'll leave. So yeah, the last guy that was there with Willem Dafoe went crazy and died. But my point about the siren statue is like, it's very clear to me when it was filmed that like Robert Pattinson knew that that was there. I mean, I guess you could say that he like felt it. He felt something in the bed and saw the hole. But when I just watched it the first time, not knowing what was going on, I was like, Oh, he knew that was there. He had like hid that for next time. Okay. And so that like is one of the factors that leads me to, if it's not, the movie isn't purposely saying this is the truth. I think it's at least say, at least saying it's a possibility in the craziness of this movie that Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe are one person. I mean, the more we talk about this, the the clearer we're going to get to some sort of answer. Right? It might not be the the correct one, but it'll be it'll be something. Because because right after this, we get kind of a. Um, I guess a day-to-day progression. I, I I think the rules of hierarchy are established pretty quickly on he's the ward, Robert Pattinson. Willem Dafoe is the captain, uh, if you want to put it that way. Uh he's the 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 one with senior seniority. Um and so he makes it very clear that he's the only one that goes up to the uh the very top of the lighthouse and and watches the lamp. And uh, Robert Pattinson is not allowed to do that. Right. Yeah. And this is like, I think you're talking about the dinner scene where he like forces him to do a toast and then Robert Pattinson doesn't drink alcohol. So he um, instead like gets water from the cistern and the water is disgusting because no one's tended to it. And he's like, yeah, that's part of your job. So you're going to do that tomorrow. Um, right. and, the other, and he's like, yeah, I tend to the lantern, not you. But the other thing I noticed in this, and it's like, it has to do with the way they speak. And like, um, but uh, at one point, Willem Dafoe says, uh, you know, when the fog clears through, you have the dog watch. And there's a lot of talk of like the use of the term dog, like him, Willem Dafoe calls him a dog throughout. And so it's just like funny, the turnabout at the very end when he like what he does to him. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, yeah, so now basically the movie is is uh, a bunch of drinking, toasting, singing, and then we see Robert Pattinson doing a bunch of very physically challenging um, chores around the island, uh, like pulling up. What was he doing to the lighthouse where he was pulling himself up with the pulley, like uh, cleaning it, right? Well, no. So, I mean, like the first day, and this is one of the things too about the movie, like making it to where you can't follow it, right? Because we're, you know, he's doing a bunch of chores day to day and it feels like it's been like three days and then you find out it's been like two weeks, right? You know, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. It's just like the the way the things are flowing. But so like his first day out, he like, he puts this like shit in the cistern that's supposed to clean it, right? And then he's told, he's told like, oh, when he when uh, Robert Pattinson wakes up in his bed, he's like, "There's water dripping on him," and he's told, "Like, oh, you got to fix that." And that's like a one thing we haven't talked about yet is these dreams that Robert Pattinson's character has. Like, I assume they have to be dreams or visions or whatever. They're either dreams or or like hallucinations. Yeah, because the the first night he's there after um a, after uh, Tommy Willem Dafoe goes up into the the lantern is like he sees a person in the water. 
And I think we're supposed to realize later that that's the actual Ephraim Winslow's body right. that he's seeing. And he goes right. to save him and then gets pulled down by a siren who we're going to see a lot later on. But so, yeah, he wakes up in bed. There's water dripping on him. And he so he's like he has to fix the cistern. And then he's like fixing the roof. And he looks in and you see what can either be described as like Willem Dafoe fucking the bed or just like jerking off face down into the bed. Willem Dafoe doing something to that bed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and which, which also plays into something else that happens later on in the, in the movie. There's a lot of parallels of, of, of both of these characters of one of them doing something from the beginning of the movie and it playing out from the end of the movie. Um, another kind of a plot point that is happening at this point is that the seagulls somehow look like they're fucking with him, right? Like there's this one seagull that's like in his way when he's trying to, you know, walk down the path or through the door. Um, And he is an interesting sequence here, right? He like yells at the seagull and then he looks up at the lighthouse. Willem Dafoe is up there at the lighthouse. Uh, and then later on, Willem Dafoe is like, hey, uh, how about you don't fuck with the seagulls? It's a uh, bad juju. And he's like, what are you talking about? And then he like goes bananas on him, right? He's like, don't fuck fucking don't fuck with the seagulls. It brings horrible shit to us. And of course, this like <laughs> this is one of the most like brutal scenes following that. But what did you make of like the whole seagull thing? Well, I mean, it, it sets up these, like, we've already set up these superstitions that um, that Willem Dafoe has earlier. And then it com- he comes in again with the seagull thing. Um, and one thing he says, we find out much later, he's like, you know, he asks him, well, what's about the seagull? And then he answers him later. He's like, well, um, it's the souls of former sailors. And one thing I didn't notice, but I read, and it, you know, it obviously makes sense. I guess the seagull that's mostly fucking with um, Robert Pattinson is has only one eye. Yep. And the guy that was the second for Willem Dafoe only had one eye. Oh, and I guess you know that when he what pulls his head out of the lobster trap, right? And and so and that actually just getting ahead of ourselves. That actually kind of my theory of them being the same person kind of makes sense too because Willem Dafoe is responsible for killing the dude with one eye and Robert Pattinson killed the bird with one eye. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There's a little bit, of, there's a little bit for you, a little bit what for, <laughs> except I don't even remember if it was the bird with one eye that he killed. I'm just going to go with it. Um, well, eh, that's, that's too much, too, too, too many things to follow, but then yet not enough. What's up with that? Uh, one yeah, thing he I beats to- the shit out of that bird. Go ahead. Well, the one thing I want to talk about, because there's a lot of moments in this movie that I think are that are funny. And then there's moments that make me laugh that maybe not necessarily other people would find funny. But when he's carrying the oil drum all the way up the fucking stairs to the top of the lighthouse and then Willem Dafoe's like, why don't you just use this tiny portable one? (laughs) He's like, take that can all the way fucking back down because that thing is feels like it's like 200 pounds that he's just dragging (laughs) up one step at a time. By his like headband thing, right? 
Well, he's just he's he's like pulling it up one step, like he's having to lift it each time. Like, yeah, no, it's just it, that part is is really funny. And what what so what happens next after that is interesting, and it's this back and forth between Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. That's like what makes up probably the biggest chunk of the movie is like Willem Dafoe yelling at him, and then the next night them kind of becoming friends, right? Because the next night he's like, oh, he's talking to him about the mutiny on the ship and he's like oh you know you know what causes a mutiny is the doldrums he's like but what you know what you got to do is give him drink because it keeps him agreeable it keeps him and robert pattinson says stupid Mm. and and willem dafoe laughs and he's like oh if you aren't a sailor if there isn't a sailor in you lad which is also like another like hey oh yeah because he was a sailor because you're the same person um but just like the the juxtaposition of like some days he's yelling at him other days he's not like towards the end of the movie, he's like, you know, I think I might even miss you, Ephraim. And then like a day later, he finds his book and he's like, yeah, you're uh, you're telling them that I should be fired without pay. Like what? Yeah, it's kind of insane because at, at first you think. Well, you don't know. And uh, obviously, that's the whole point of the movie. But at first you think that. Pattinson is kind of losing his mind at first, right? Like he's the troubled one that he's making it harder for every for everyone on the island them too plus the seagull plus the half naked mermaid um if she's real i don't know yet uh but the other thing is too is like as we're progressing through the movie willem dafoe's character seems to be the one who's losing it right <clears throat> but there's no there's no compass for the audience to to know actually who is right and who is wrong. It it's it, it drove me insane. Maybe that's the point to trying to figure out what was real and what was just happening in each other's heads. Yeah, yeah, that was the point. Also, that mermaid was 100% naked cuz we saw her mermussy. So Oh, can you never say mermussy <laughs> again? I, you know, what's strange is I think in the, in the marketing for this is, is it showed in like the one trailer for this movie, it showed every single shot of the mermaid that's in the entire movie, making you feel like there was a lot more mermaid. Well, not every single shot. Am I right? But, (laughs) uh, it made you feel like there was the mermaid, uh, a lot more in this movie than there actually was. And I'm very disappointed in that because that would have made the movie a lot better. There's more of her in there. <laughs> nice. Um, getting back to it. So you talked about how he gets mad about the seagull, but he actually slaps him. He slaps Robert Pattinson and then he sort of like regrets it. And he says a drop of coffee will do us good, which, you know, could just be like old speak, but it's also like, will do both of us good. Cause like we're the same person. And Your, then a uh, drop of coffee would do us both good lad. Yeah. Do us good. Yeah, it doesn't say both us. That'd be a little too on the nose. Um, so then, and then, then the next day he's fighting with him over cleaning the floor and he's like, I already did it. And you're kind of like, like you just said, who's writing this? Because Pattinson's like, oh, I cleaned that floor. I did exactly what I'm supposed to. And Willem Dafoe's like, it looks like shit. No, you right. didn't. And there right. is this like, there's this theme running throughout the movie of like Robert Pattinson losing track of time, I guess. And us as the audience losing track of time. But is he? 
Well, yeah, is he? And did he clean it two weeks ago and now it's dirty? Or, you know, is it, did he just clean it? Whatever. Um, But yeah, that's why I think that this movie is completely unclear purposely of, are they they the same person? Or is Robert Pattinson a good guy? Or is Willem Dafoe? Neither of them are a good guy, but who, who should we be? Who should we? Whose side should we be on? Um, and I say, neither, dude, probably I, probably neither. If, but then why? Why is it, say they're the same person? Why is he imagining himself as an older man? Or what if he's the figment? And why is Willem Dafoe imagining himself as a younger man? That makes more sense. But the whole movie is set up that Robert Pattinson might be the real one. It's it's and I think for people who have not seen this movie that are hearing us talking about it are very confused. Well, welcome to the club, because watching the damn thing doesn't help. Why the hell would you listen to us talk about this if you haven't watched this? (laughs) Um, Uh, There's another scene, too, where the wheelbarrow falls over, which is just another like little laugh that I think is funny. I don't even know what he's pushing. It just looks like dirt that fell on other dirt. But I think it's coal. Maybe. Yeah, you're probably right. Oh, yeah. What's he what's he working in the workshop in the little yeah. side house? Yeah, he's like, yeah, what? I guess he's putting coal in to keep the light going. You know, you could have bought that light. Uh, A24 sold that light, but it went for like a fucking crazy amount of money. So like you weren't going to. Oh, I'm it. sure you could. I'm sure you could. By the way, the design of that bulb was beautiful oh my god when you finally see it it's like yeah no wonder willem the foe is keeping it a secret it's like a work of art you know it's like a Fabergé egg do you know how much the mermaid carving went for the broken mermaid carving a hundred and ten thousand dollars how much did the mermussy go for is what i want to know well after willem defoe wore it priceless um, so th- this is also when he drops him while painting Willem Dafoe's like oh quit moving he's like I'm not moving and then the fucking rope breaks and then oh, there's yeah, like yeah. there's white stuff on Robert Patton's face when he wakes up and I was like is that paint or did the birds like shit on him I wonder that too I wondered if the birds took a crap all over him Um, but I thought that that was going to play a lot more into the movies, him falling from that height. And I'm like, Oh my God, is he, but he's like, fine. It's just like part of the, part of the job, you know? Yeah. And so we get to this next scene where they, he, they say it's the last two weeks and he's like, call me Ephraim Winslow. Um, and then Thomas talks about, which is Willem Dafoe's character, but he doesn't say it right now, but his name is Thomas. He talks about how he was a, uh, a sailor, but now he has a peg leg because he what he broke it, and so now he's a wiki. Um, and then Winslow's like, "Well, I was a drifter, and I just want money to settle down." This is like where you get a little bit more of like the lifestyle of like, yeah, I just I can make like a thousand dollars a year, and then that'll just <laughs> crazy now to think about a thousand dollars a year, and you'll just be like, you know, set pretty set for that whole year, yeah. They should do the oil business. <laughs> and that's jeez. And then um maybe Robert Pattinson survived and he just went to uh after this he went to go get oil. Only I'm an oil by, man myself. Only get killed by plain view. <laughs> um and this is also where we find out that goals have the souls of dead sailors. And right after this, uh Robert Pattinson can't sleep and he climbs up to 
the top of the the um the lighthouse right you know they don't use the word lighthouse in this movie once but he climbs up to the top of the lighthouse and like fucking (laughs) willem dafoe is sitting there either jerking off or getting blown (laughs) by a mermaid or something because there's just like his stuff is falling through the cracks and like he's moaning and fucking robert Pattinson has to move out of the way and then you because you then you see this like fucking tail thing like skittering I don't know what the fuck that was. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, because at some point during like a hallucination sequence, uh, Willem Dafoe is half like tentacle monster. And I wondered if that was like the first time he was a tentacle monster. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. So if it's a tentacle monster and those are just his tentacles, then yeah, he's probably just taking care of himself with like multiple tentacles at once. The original hentai. Like a stranger, an octopus stranger. Octopus. Um, A little too on the nose, a little too on the nose. So the next thing, we find the dead gull in the cistern. And this is when he just destroys this this seagull, which is not supposed to be funny, but made me laugh very much. (laughs) Um, Yes, the the beating of the seagull uh, was probably like a very... Poignant, poignant, uh, poignant. I don't know what's wrong with me today. Uh, as point in the movie, but it came off as like, oh, I think what it's supposed to be is like a defiance of the character, right? Like, Willem Dafoe told me to do this and not to do this, and so I'm going to deliberately do the opposite. Um, now, how much is that seagull carcass on A24's auction house? That's what I want to know. Asking the real questions. Mm. Well, it's also funny because you, like Robert Pattinson, are like, oh, that's bullshit. This doesn't mean anything. But it's actually like the inciting incident for the rest of the movie because right after this, the wind changes and a nor'easter comes. And then they're like, oh, we're getting off the rock tomorrow. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? This has been four weeks. Like, it feels like five days that we've been here. Yeah. And then, because, well, I'm part of that is the fact that at this point in the movie is like we hit the 45 minute mark, you know? Right. And so so then we get the first night that Winslow drinks, Robert Pattinson drinks. And from here on, it is just a drunken kind of stupor between the two of them. Like, And you can't really follow anything of a timeline here, right? Um, they're like, they're having a good last night. He's like, oh, I'm going to even miss you. And then he's like, you'll be working the lamp in no time. And he's like, well, why haven't you let me in? And then they start arguing and get into a big argument. But then they just start laughing at each other. And then, like, yeah. the night's over. Yeah, you and think – and, and this happens multiple times, right? You think that something is going to get very intense and very violent. And then it just kind of ends in this, like, um, like moment of, like, oh, they actually got – I'm pretty sure uh, towards the end of the movie they were in, like, fisticuffs. And then at the end of it, they were closer than ever, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're right. It does keep happening to where maybe to set up the ending when you're like, oh, maybe they won't actually come to blows. And then they do. I'm pretty sure they almost made out. Well, they did try to, but that's a little (laughs) later. Well, (laughs) Willem definitely went for it. He definitely made his move. Um the the next part of this is kind of the funniest scene in the movie to me because uh, Robert Pattinson has to use the bathroom, but they're all full with Willem Dafoe's shit. 
So he's taking them out to dump them, and he throws it, and the wind just takes it back into his face, and his scream is so fucking great. Oh, God. Could you even oh, imagine? <laughs> um, and then it's like, it's, but it's uh, <laughs> another thing that this movie does, and maybe it's because it's black and white, and the aspect ratio is this way. But it never stops raining on this island. Like it just rains and rains and rains and fucking rains. It, the shots that it does to depict this really make you feel. Okay, I was in the perfect scenario watching this movie, right? Because the Hurricane Ian is is was last night, and I watched this movie last night, and I honestly could not tell what storm sounds were from the movie and what storm sounds were from the actual outside, and. I was in this like perfect case scenario where um, it, it it I was like I felt wet even though I was inside. Um, just the way these <laughs> not sexually, but uh, not like Willem Dafoe uh, or Robert Pattinson later in the movie or that mermaid. But the uh, it, it it how wet the characters were constantly and how everything was drenched in rain. It's just like. It's a very moist movie. I'll say that. <sighs> nice. Yeah. Well, speaking of the siren right after the shit scene, he like runs into her and he's kind of on top of her. And then she starts like kind of screaming at him and laughing and he freaks out and starts screaming and he runs up to the, to the cabin or whatever. And Willem Dafoe's like, why are you screaming? You smell like shit. Go get cleaned up. We have to leave tomorrow. <laughs> He's tra- he's like uh, uh uh how do you put that into words right like how, like at this point he must be thinking he's going insane he, even if it's real like how do we know he he doesn't even know well that, yeah that's the point too is like I think he catches himself and he's like I can't even tell him about this because like, it sounds insane yeah who's gonna believe me um and then the tender basically never comes right. You know, mm-hmm. they're just sitting there and then that's a- that's a perfect way of like a, a show don't tell sort of scenario in this film. Right. It's it's you just see them standing there waiting for something. Nothing happens. And then it's not mentioned until way later. But you as the audience automatically know everything that's going on. Well, and then afterwards they tell because he's like. Oh, we only missed her by one day. And Willem Dafoe's like, it's been weeks. So apparently they've been there weeks after. And he's been like telling him like, hey, I want you to save the food. Right. And he's like, well, I, you know, it's only been a day. We just overslept. He's like, no, we've been here weeks. You're like completely losing track of time. And I like how they're like, we need to go get the provisions. And they go out and the provisions are more alcohol. Like the food isn't like what their worry is. It's like, oh, we need more alcohol and this is kind of also a key point because they get drunk from this new alcohol and then tommy who i think we know his name by now says that scurvy took his leg and robert pattinson who is completely wasted is like oh i thought you said you broke it and willem defoe catches himself and he's like oh you must have misheard me and then robert pattinson starts telling a story immediately and is like yeah my old foreman winslow and and uh, uh willem defoe's like oh Winslow you worked for a guy named Winslow um and then right after that Robert Pattinson's like oh you're talking about you know the scurvy and all you guys were eating grass but I thought you said your crew like lost their teeth how do you eat grass without teeth you know cows have teeth 
and then it's like another time like it's just the setting them up of like the two opposite sides of like the same coin of like they're both liars and we can't mm-hmm. trust either of them um but with with the whole like how can you eat grass without teeth eventually turns into it's a serious point right and it's like an uh solving the mystery a little bit more but it's automatically turned into a joke right it's like turned into a song and i was like how do you you know you you pull it out and you swallow it or something like that and um things don't get solved immediately which i also like about the film like nothing is spoon fed to you and nothing is given to you all at once because then i'm sure the next night robert pattinson calls himself thomas he's like Willem Dafoe's like I'm Thomas he's like I'm Thomas too what I found interesting is when he's like can I tell you a secret and he's like don't you go spilling your beans to me kid he like he's like what you're gonna tell me is like you're gonna want to kill me for after you tell me and I don't want to die so I don't want to know that's like that's the feeling I got from it right yeah and but before that we do get the um him yelling about his food and he's like, if I had a steak right now, I'd fuck it. And he's like, you don't like my cooking? You're fond of oh, my yeah. lobster. Say you're fond of my lobster. And then this, uh, this hark Triton hark speech, which I had like heard as a soundbite, and I never knew where it came from. I thought it was like from like Clash of the Titans or something, right? Like <laughs> oh, the the oh, soundbite. Okay. But um, having it from this obviously makes sense. And apparently, Defoe, obviously being the fucking boss that he is, did that all in one take. And apparently didn't blink the entire time he did it no just fucking delivers it i noticed that too not a single blink little eye twitch but no blink i also like how the thunder rolls as he screams hark like the the sea is with him yeah um when you said see that's the feeling i got when i was watching this especially at the end it's like a greek tragedy it's it's purposefully too but it's like a greek play where i don't don't know how else to put it it's well that that is kind of the point right because yeah because um so robert pattinson is supposed to be the um was it the prometheus character yeah the prometheus character whose like punishment is getting an eagle is eating his liver each day like at the very end and uh, Willem Dafoe's character is supposed to be Proteus, which is like an old prophetic sea god who called the old man of who was called the old man of the sea. So yeah, those like the whole the whole point of this is very like Greek in origin. The actual like origin of this is based on like a real life thing where two guys were stuck on an island in a lighthouse and like one of them died, um, and like it drove the other person mad. Like that was like the impetus of the story, and then yeah, he puts these obviously this like Greek mythology spin on it. But then also maybe a little bit like um, a little bit of Hemingway, a little bit of um, uh, Melville. Um, you, you know, taking out all the fact like you know we're we're saying it's a weird movie, and it is, but it's actually a very like deep philosophical, beautiful movie too. If you you know if you want to look at it that way, it's just. I think it it takes you, especially not knowing what what you're walking into. It takes you aback by a lot at times. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that's why the second viewing, I think I appreciated it a lot, a lot more. 
Um, it's funny, right after that speech, Robert Pattinson's just like, okay, have it your way. I like your cooking. You're just like, oh, it's over again. Their relationship see, that's, is back on. That's another one where it's like it's an argument turned joke turns now they're closer than ever. So it's like you never know where they stand. Their their emotions are so up and down with each other. Um, but a little bit of that is Robert Pattinson playing a game to try and get up to the lantern. He's trying to stay in the good graces of Willem Dafoe so that he can get up there because that's all he wants. One of my favorite uh, sequences in this movie is when Robert Pattinson steals the knife and goes up secretly one night into the to the tower tries to unlock it the knife breaks and yet the knife breaks somehow into like this perfect shape to unlock the different door right and i understand that correctly yeah yeah which i mean definitely leads into the one person theory for sure yeah and then he goes to steal the keys uh, from around Willem Dafoe's neck while he's sleeping, the actual keys to the to the tower, and he he like takes off his boots and he puts his boots around his his ties them up the shoelaces, puts it around his shoulders, and he like leans over Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe cracks his eye. He, he opens. He wakes up, and he's like, "That's a weird way to wear your shoes." And he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't. I was trying not to wake you." Well, it's at this point too. So when when uh, Robert Pattinson first like palms the knife and sticks it in his pocket, Willem Dafoe for sure doesn't see him do it. And then when he's standing over him, he pulls out the knife. He's about to kill Willem Dafoe, and Willem Dafoe's like eye pops open, and we get this close up square view. And the whole movie square of the eye, just Willem Dafoe's eye opening. And we don't know if he actually saw the knife, but part of me was thinking like, how does he know that Robert Pattinson has that knife? He's not like. Is he keeping track of every knife on this island and he knows that one's missing? Um, or did he see it that morning? Um, part of me was just like he knows because it's him. Um, it, it wasn't, um, he wasn't trying to kill him, right? He was just trying to get the key off of his neck. The, I, maybe, I, didn't, I didn't think he was trying to kill him. That was my interpretation of that. He eventually fucking kills him, so it doesn't matter that he didn't intend to now. Yes, it does. It does, because at this point... He's not trying to incite violence. He's just trying to get up to the freaking light, which I honestly have never, like through the entire movie, never understood what the big deal uh, was to get up there. Well, and you still don't get to know. It's kind of like the uh, suitcase in Pulp Fiction. You don't know what's in there, right? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm guessing the, the, the naked mermaid, but that's, that's my guess. In the Pulp Fiction briefcase? <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um so right after this we get them yelling at each other he's like uh there's this line where robert pounds is like you ain't even tolerable anymore unless you're drunk you aren't even human and i was like you're totally talking about yourself at that point right like you're totally that applies to you as much as it applies to willem dafoe you like whether they are actually one person they are the same fucking person like there's no difference between these two people it's a lot like um, There Will Be Blood in the sense that Paul Dano's character and Daniel Day's Lewis's character, it's like taint each other. Like they they bleed out um, personality-wise onto each other. Like uh, especially Paul Dano's character being more vicious towards the end or towards, towards the um, 
like the church scene where he's trying to get Daniel Day Lewis to praise God. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think the ends whether in a they're, similar way too <laughs> ends in a similar way too exactly. But whether whether he's trying to actually you know um, change him or 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 they're the same person or whatever, it's their character play with each other that's so compelling. Well, and if you take the movie just at face value too, it's like Willem Dafoe likes Robert Pattinson, except quit fucking asking to see my lantern. Like every time he asks about that, the relationship sours. Um, the, yeah. the next, the next thing I want to talk about is Robert Pat's jerking off. Um, good, good. It's a, I, it's, it's a key scene. Apparently mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen these two other movies, but apparently this is the third movie where he's jerked off in a movie. And so it's like, it was in the IMDb it's, facts. It was a character. It was like a, a character trait of this actor. It's like, oh, that's not, not the thing I want to be yeah. known for. Well, it's, um, <laughs> I'll tell you the movies right now. Um, it's Twilight, New Dawn. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't know what, uh, but the, the, um, it's funny. Cause we, during the hurricane, we never lost power except for a tiny little blip for a millisecond, but it was enough to knock a uh, canopy off my TV. And that's exactly where I stopped is he's furiously masturbating to the trinket and you get these like weird hallucination dreams and then boop, my TV goes off. And <laughs> that's gotta be and very, that's gotta be very frustrating to get stopped right before completion at that point for you, you know? Oh yeah, I was just going along with him. I was just <laughs> joining in the fun there. Um, well, yeah, you talk about all these images going through his head, and he sees one of them that I didn't notice the first time. But like, so he, you see him getting killed by the siren, but you also see this white-haired dude, like this really blonde-haired guy, and you see uh, Robert Pattinson looking at him from above, and then you see Robert Pattinson sticking this stick towards him. And I didn't catch it upon first viewing, but on upon second viewing, I think that's supposed to be that, you know, he tells Willem Dafoe's character, I didn't kill him, but I kind of let him die. I didn't save him. Right. But now from that little snippet, I think you're supposed to get, no, he killed that guy. Right. No, for sure. And- for sure. And it made me think too, it's like, okay, so he, here's the parallels, right? Because you drew the parallels that Willem Dafoe might've killed the last guy he was with, um, just like how Robert Pattinson killed the one-eyed seagull. The other parallel is that this isn't the first time you see this this white-haired guy. And um, you get the story where Robert Pattinson's character might have killed him. But then you also get the parallel of Willem Dafoe killing his guy. Uh, and what I thought at first is when he was pulling up the lobster trap and, you know, he finds the head in there. It was very unclear to me whose head was in there. I thought it was Willem Dafoe's head in there. Well, one, um, thing, one thing to think about is how does Robert Pattinson know whose head that is? I mean, there can't be that many decapitated heads on an island. Like he could just assume, right? But the other thing was, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. The other thing is, is that 
how long is that lobster trap there? Because in the beginning of the movie, you see two other lighthouse keepers leave the island as they come on, right? So they never used the lobster trap in the six months that they were there? That's hard to believe. Well, no, I think the the lobster tra- we see them use the lobster tra- lobster trap before the, he finds the head. They use it a bunch of times. It's just like it didn't the head didn't get in there the first time. How how does the lobster how does the head get in a lobster trap? Lobster trap I think works to where like the lobster can push in but can't get back out. I think the door pushes in and then shuts back and so you can't get out. And so I think maybe the head like flowed in and then got stuck i don't know oh okay okay i accept I'm that not a, i'm not a lobster but i'm just assuming that's how it works um <laughs> so yeah but I, th- I think the the fact that he knows who his head that is yeah it could be an assumption but he is for sure whose head it is and like how does he know that except for the fact that he is in fact willem defoe um they're drinking again another night. They are slow dancing together. Willem Dafoe goes in for a kiss. Mm. Um, and then this is where they Robert fight. Patton... Not yet. They almost fight. They put their hands up and they wrestle a little. But this is when Robert Pattinson says his name is Tommy. His boss's Winslow accidentally died, so he took his name. And then we get this really like cool effect where Willem Dafoe like, disappears, but then you just hear his voice... Why'd you spill your beans, Tommy? Why'd you spill your beans? But once again, he could also be talking about himself because he's Tommy. And he right. sort of let it slip that he, he's been letting these lies slip, you know? Yeah, but if it's if it's just to himself, who cares, right? Like, it doesn't matter. It's, it's Yeah, but more... they're both crazy. Or is only one of them crazy and manifested the other? Hmm. Uh, also, the... That long hallway in like the architecture of the of the lighthouse does not make any sense. Oh yeah, structure like yeah, where like structural from? Yeah, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't understand the the layout of this place at all. No, I do not. Um, the, but I, I, did you find it interesting how adamant Willem Dafoe was was not wanting for him to spill his beans, like specifically that line. What do you mean? Like he did not want to know the rest of what was coming out of Robert Pattinson's mouth. Like he did not want to know his deep, dark secret. Oh, I don't think he was that adamant. I mean, I don't I don't know. I didn't really think of it that way. It's not how it occurred to me. I just thought he was like, you know, you probably shouldn't tell people because I don't tell people my stuff. So you shouldn't. And then you told him and he's like, all right, well, no, I know this about you. Um, and I Right after this, we get this really cool dream. Another dream sequence. I assume it's a dream sequence where Robert Pattinson finds a guy on the ground and then turns out to be Robert Pattinson finding himself. And then he looks up and sees a naked Willem Dafoe who then has the lighthouse light coming out of his eyes, looking down on Robert Pattinson, which is like, obviously a, just a, what is an allegory or a, yeah, a microcosm I, of, of it, what's been happening this whole time. I think, I think that is the most Greek tragedy imagery that this whole movie has given is just, it's the way they're all shaped. Like, 
Robert Pattinson's down on the ground and Willem Dafoe's naked and has this like curvature to his body that, that you see in like Greek statues, you know, it was very poetic. Also and, uh, quite disturbing. And Willem Dafoe looked a little yoked right there. Like he could fuck you up. Dude, Willem Dafoe um, is ripped. It's <laughs> not the only thing I've heard about him. So Robert Pattinson next tries to leave on the Dory, which is the small boat. Um, and I love the way it's shot of Willem Dafoe hobbling up and just like, <laughs> you're not going to leave me and fucking whacking at the boat. This is insane, right? It's insane yeah. because he chops up the boat and then Robert Pattinson runs from him. Uh, he's carrying an axe chasing after Pattinson, Dafoe is. And then they get inside. <laughs> Dafoe, like implants the axe onto the table and then he goes up to him like you crazy boy you just chopped up the lifeboat and then chased me halfway across the island with an axe it's like as the audience member i was like no motherfucker that's what you did well yeah and i want to say so like this is when when robert pattinson's like i you know i broke the trinket i'm free from you um, and then Willem Dafoe, you know, he says, oh, I found, I saw your second's head. I know you killed him. And Willem Dafoe has this look of guilt on his face. Like, oh fuck, how did you know? But then it immediately switches and Willem Dafoe's like, oh, I knew you were mad when you smashed up the lifeboat and chased me with the ax. And it's either one of two things. One, this is the same guy, right? Which I keep saying, I don't want to harp on it, but, or two, he's just like, who are they going to believe me or you? Right. They're going to believe me. Because I've worked well, here, that's, so you're, you're fucked. Well, that, that's when, like, don't spill your beans come into play, right? It's like, you're a murderer. You've admitted it to me. I can use that against you now. And then that's when we get Robert Pattinson being like, you told me you broke your leg. And then you said it was scurvy, so you're full of shit, too, right? That's like, that's where everything comes together. It's like, you've been lying. It's like, no, you've been lying. We've both been lying. Right, and then he asks him for the knife, which we already talked about. But then right after this, and this is like completely on the nose, he says, who are you, Tommy? I'm probably a figment of your imagination. Willem Dafoe says that. I think that's on the nose. I, like, I think that's purposely on the nose, making me think that it's not <laughs> the figment of his imagination. No, right, I agree. Like that that almost spells it out a little too much. And once again, I don't even think it matters, right? But I do think it's at least put out there for you to to consider it. Um, and then they just decide to get drunk again because they're like, oh, we're out of liquor. And then Robert Pattinson ma makes this concoction out of like the oil can and some like some other shit and just makes a drink and they decide to get fucking wasted again. And then they wake up the next day and water's everywhere. And this is like the beginning of the end because Robert Pattinson finds the log book and he he gets his own speech where he just lays into Tom and he's like, I hate the fucking farts. And your jisms everywhere. And just, I hate you. And uh, I love he does all that. And it's very similar to the way Robert Pattinson's like earlier, like, that's fine. I like your cooking anyway. Um, <laughs> Willem Dafoe. And this is like, you have a way with words, Tommy. You're fired. <laughs> and he's like, I know you were going to fire me. And he shows him the book. Yeah. Um, and you think at this point, he's like, I'm bigger than you. I'm going to fucking kill you. But instead... He gets on his knees and begs to see the light. The way you're describing it makes it sound like we're coming up with this off the top of our heads. 
it's it's insane it's a crazy movie yeah yeah so he begs and then of course he's denied uh once again and i'm surprised how well i was surprised how quickly he kills him it's not actually that quick right like so he he starts and Will Nafoe, you know, not the victim blame here, but sort of drives him to it with like one, basically like I'm gonna, you wasted all of these days out with here with me. I'm gonna get you fired and not paid. And then he like he's like, oh, are you crying, Tommy? What are you gonna kill me? And then he's like, you caused this because you killed that seagull, and he calls him a filthy dog. So yeah, then he starts, he starts fighting him right and beating the shit out of him. Oh, I guess a very, very key uh, scene comes after this before he kills him. You're right. I missed it. So he gets on top of Willem Dafoe and is beating him, but then it turns into the siren and then he starts making love to the siren. And then it turns into the shot of the movie, the Willem Dafoe mermaid and the fucking crazy look on his face. Oh, yeah. and then he turns. Then he turns into the real Ephraim, who punches him, and so then he starts beating the shit out of him. And then he like he makes him go outside on his all fours like a dog, and throws him in this pit from earlier where they pulled up the liquor, and starts burying him alive. But does not do so, a very good job. So this burying him alive scene is. It disturbed me quite a bit uh, because I think that's one of my biggest fears. I think that's a lot of people's biggest fears being buried alive. But the way and I'm wondering how they did this practically, right? Wilm Defoe's in a hole and Pattinson or someone is throwing dirt on his face. And he's like eating the dirt as he's monologuing. And I'm thinking like Wilm Defoe is, is like a method actor, right? So is he just like, is this real dirt? Is he chewing through real dirt? Or is this like, you know, those like cookie crumbles that you have on like, uh, like the, what do you call it? What do you call those like chocolate pudding earthworm things? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like just chocolate, like dust. Mud, almost. mud in a cup. Yeah, yeah. Chocolate dust. I wonder if it's like, or like chopped up Oreos or something. Like, is That's it that? Probably, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. 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 Probably. I mean, it's black and white, so it's easier to hide the actual color of it. Oh, um, shit. You're right. It doesn't even have to be black. It could be any fucking thing. Yeah. Any darker color. Um, but then he doesn't finish burying him. He does a poor job because he wants to grab the keys. He starts walking up the lighthouse and then he's like, oh, wait, you know what? I need my drink because I need to get drunk for what's about to happen. I like I really want to enjoy this. <laughs> and Another moment that fucking like one of the funniest moments in the movie is Willem Dafoe running in the, the light belongs to me and fucking stabs Robert Pattinson in the arm and he just looks at it and then fucking takes the canteen and just bashes his head in and then takes the pickaxe out of his arm and fucking kills him with one swing like that had me dying laughing. <laughs> Uh, not the whole thing, but I definitely laughed when he just like looked at his giant gaping, ga- gushing shoulder like it was like slightly an inconvenience. Um, but yeah, and then he kills him with like quite, I don't know, man, you, you say it wasn't, it didn't take very long or it took a long time. But for me, it was just so, you don't even see his face. It's like this shot where you're behind a foe. When the axe comes down on his head 
it's just it's just a squelch and it's over. Um, but yeah, then he climbs up the lighthouse. Can I say this shot of the spiraling staircase looking straight up is an amazing shot? It kind of looks like one of those like um, conch shells. The way like he a shot golden it. golden yeah, ratio like, sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Exactly the way it swirls up. And he gets all the way up there, gets into the light. He goes crazy. And I remembered him going crazy. But upon second watch, I didn't remember him falling all the way down the stairs. Because as he's going crazy, I was like, how does he even fucking end up outside? And then he falls all the way down the entire lighthouse. This is after he's like, he something opens up the bulb, right? Right, yes, yes. And he's like looking at it and just goes crazy and like is doing this crazy laugh. And he falls all the way down. Oh, but, you know, something we didn't talk about before is Willem Dafoe's reaction when he's up there, like looking at the light, admiring the light um, by himself in the kind of the beginning of the movie. He's like talking to it, isn't he? Like he's like, reminiscing about something with it like it's a like it's an entity itself whether it's i i don't know we still don't know what i think that's like the biggest thing you can just like you know is it when he's saying he's almost toasting to it he's got his drink up there and he's like toasting to what's in the lantern oh by the way um after he kills willem dafoe robert pattinson says the sea toast perfectly that he had never been able to say before like he says willem dafoe's sea toast to him over his dead body because they're the same person. Um, and then my last question is like, he falls all the way down the stairs and then just decides to crawl outside and take off his clothing so he can be eaten alive by naked by birds. No, no, no. I feel like the last shot of the movie where he is. Oh, did you notice that he had one eye too? By the end of that movie, by the end of the I movie, did... Rob Pat. I didn't. He did. Uh, this eye, the right one. He was, um, the seagulls plucked it out or it was gone by the time the seagulls were eating at his body, but they were eating his intestines or his liver or whatever. He had only one eye. It's been, it, it was uh, gouged out, gouged out, gouged, gouged, it's gouged out. Um, and I don't think that had anything to do with the rest of the movie. This was, this was my thought is like another very Greek tragedy imagery right there very metaphorical i didn't think it had anything to do with like exactly what happened i thought it was more of a metaphor that he was being like he's prometheus right no yeah yeah, yeah. It, it definitely could be but you know it's also like and i sometimes get a little like when your ending is just a metaphor so what did you not actually end your movie like you know i guess it was the falling down was the end they both die um I'm pretty sure Prometheus's whole thing is like he's rolling up a, a big boulder up a hill and then eventually he falls that's down the that's Sisyphus. Well, maybe it's a little bit Sisyphus too. Okay. No, Prometheus sure that... is, Prometheus gets his liver eaten out every day by an eagle. I know, but the motherfucker fell down all those stairs as he reached victory to the top. So maybe it's a little bit syphilis too, you know? There it's the 1890s. There's syphilis everywhere. I like how you couldn't say it, so then you turned it into syphilis as a joke to cover your tracks, but yeah. It's, it's pretty good, right? There's a couple of things I want to bring up at the end of this, um, since we've kind of wrapped it up, but um, one of Robert Edgar's quotes about this movie is, nothing good can happen when two men are trapped alone in a giant phallus. And um, apparently, 
he wanted at some point to have a shot of the lighthouse that's then sort of met that was like and the lot the lighthouse was going to be like jostling and then it was going to match cut into a fully erect penis and the studio was like we'll make your movie but we can't make your black and white square movie an nc-17 movie like you can't show an erect penis so they had to cut that out but there is a scene where like I think it's right before the masturbation scene where you show the lighthouse from like a side view and then it kind of goes up and that's totally an erection happening. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those cool things where they just like flip the camera. And and the last thing that I thought was pretty hilarious is, you know, Willem Dafoe's farting is a big part of this movie. And um, the sound designer said that he made that effect practically, but he will not reveal how he did it, which leads me to believe that he was farting into the microphone to get that effect. Cause it's pretty, it's a pretty good fart. A couple times, right? Yeah, it's a few. Well, yeah, I think this, this was a really good experience. I, I, uh, I like this movie a lot actually and all its weirdness. Um, I think this is another one where you kind of go in, uh, not knowing anything and it's kind of a better experience for it. Lots of twist turns and surprises. So yeah, no, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. And like, I, you know, after watching it the first time I was like, all right, well, this is clearly like not, I don't like this as much as the other two. Um, and it definitely grew in my estimation watching it the second time. It's, I don't know how many times more in my life I'll watch this, but it's like one that will stick with me. And it is really well done. And there's like, the, you know, obviously the performances we talked about. So it is just like, besides like the style of it being similar to his other movies, there is like no other movie like this one. And like for that alone, you should give it a watch. And if you're listening to this, you hopefully already did because we spoiled the shit out of it. So did you feel like that with The Witch? Because I did. A second watch of The Witch, I actually liked it more the second time than the first and i haven't seen northman uh the northman so i don't know but would you say that's kind of like a common thing with his movies his second watch is you're more acclimated to what happens and you can understand it better therefore you enjoy it more well i think with like a lot of movies i've said before the second watch always like it it makes it easier to follow because you know how it ends so you seeing the steps in the beginning i think it gives you a greater appreciation and I think for movies like his, because they're tonally so vis- different, visually so different, the storytelling so, like, all of it is so unique that I think a second watch is always going to make you enjoy it more just because you ha- are more used to what you're seeing and, like, you can appreciate other things about it. So, yeah, I agree with that. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan, and I finally watched The Lighthouse. And this is David, and... um. I also finally watched The Lighthouse.